Okay, it's the end of the year, so we have a pop quiz. Okay, and there's a trick question involved. <laughs> Tell you ahead of time. Who existed first, God or Mary? God. Good. Now you don't have to yell this out. Who is the more beautiful creature, Mary or Jesus? Mary. That is the trick. Jesus is not a creature, but rather Jesus is the creator, right? Jesus is God. Jesus is divine, fully God, and fully human. But as a person, he is the second person of the Trinity. Okay. So if God existed before Mary, how is Mary God's mother? Thinking about Jesus and in his humanity, it's easier for us. Jesus would have even received half of his DNA, right? Just think, from Mary. Jesus would physically look in some ways like Mary, right? Mary raised Jesus from the womb upward. But regarding birth, what do mothers give birth to? Natures? When we talk about divine nature or human nature, do mothers give birth to natures or to persons? And the answer there is that mothers give birth to persons. So Mary gave birth to the Christ, the same Christ, the same Jesus who died and rose again, the same Jesus who is God. In theology regarding the understanding of Jesus and of Mary, there's a very important principle called the communication of idioms. It's a principle that goes back to the Council of Ephesus way back in the year 431. It relies on the fact that Jesus is indeed fully God and fully human. And it goes like this. You can speak about things that are true about God while referring to Jesus in his humanity. You can also speak about things that are true about Jesus' humanity while referring to God. So you can refer to some true aspect of one of Jesus' natures while using a title or name more specific to the other nature. Here's an example. On the one hand, let's think about Christmas. We can say that the universe was created by a little baby laying in a manger in Bethlehem. Pretty wild statement, but that is true. Because we are talking about what the divine nature accomplished, and we are referring to Jesus who took on human nature, was born as a little baby. Then, on the other hand, we can say that God died on the cross. Another kind of crazy statement. Wow, yeah. The divine nature did not cease to exist. The divine nature did not die. But Jesus is God. We believe that God experienced death and conquered death through the second person of the Trinity in his humanity. Therefore, using this principle, we can say that Mary is the mother of God. 
She was not the mother of simply maybe Jesus of Nazareth, who later became God. That's what some were teaching in the early church. She's not the mother just of the human nature of Jesus, because that would be dividing Jesus in two. Jesus did not give birth to the human person of Jesus, in which the divine second person of the Trinity dwelt, for that would be making Jesus into two different persons. Mary is not simply a tube through which God entered the world devoid of any motherhood herself, but rather the Gospels clearly relate that Mary is Jesus' mother. No, when it comes down to it, if Jesus is fully God and fully human, then Mary must be the mother of God. If we were not able to say that she is the mother of God, then we would not be able to say that Jesus is God. That's what the question all came down to back in 431. And that's what we celebrate today. The name given to Mary is the Theotokos in Greek, which means the God-bearer, that she truly bore God in her womb and then into the world. Now, there's no reason that this feast day falls on New Year's specifically. The reason is that it's the eighth day of Christmas, eighth, the eighth or the octave day, which has special importance. We heard how in the gospel, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to be circumcised on the eighth day and then gave Jesus his name officially on that day. So the early church since the fifth century chose this eighth day of Christmas to celebrate the maternity of Mary, as we still do so today. But perhaps the reason in God's providence that this feast falls on New Year's is to give us an opportunity to make a New Year's resolution, that of imitating Mary by bearing Jesus to the world. We can imitate Mary's great yes to God's grace in her life. In our own ways, we can bear God into the world. Surely we bear God within our body when we receive the Eucharist, but we are also transformed to be that presence of Jesus. Maybe this year we can strive to do that, ask for God's grace and help to do that in a more earnest way. In light of that, I just thought it'd be fitting to pray the prayer St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta would pray at the end of Mass, and her sisters around the world do so today. It's asking for God's grace to bear Christ to the world. She adapted it from St. Henry Cardinal Newman, and it's called the Fragrance Prayer. And it goes like this. Dear Jesus, help us to spread your fragrance everywhere we go. Flood our souls with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess our whole being so utterly that our lives may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through us and be so in us that every person we should come in contact with may feel your presence in our soul. 
Let them look up and see no longer us, but only Jesus. Stay with us, and then we shall begin to shine as you shine, so to shine as to be a light to others. The light, Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be ours. It will be you shining on others through us. Let us thus praise you in the way you love best, by shining on those around us. Let us preach you without preaching, not by words, but by our example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what we do, the evident fullness of the love our hearts bear for you. Amen.